Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Professional Sports Talk Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Jack Murphy. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode. This week's going to be a little bit different. Obviously, normal Tuesday upload, but we have a couple games later today. Um, I'm going to be visiting family the next few weeks, so I probably won't be able to get the preview episode of this week out till Friday, meaning I'll probably miss Thursday night football. So I'm going to talk about Thursday night football just very quickly at the end of this episode here. But overall, I'm going to be going over all of Sunday's action, all of Saturday's action, um, and then the game Thursday, of course, we're going to start with that Chiefs at Chargers. If you guys are enjoying the pod, be sure to follow my Instagram at Professional Sports Talk. Be sure to share this podcast with your friends and family. And be sure to stay tuned on both of those accounts because you never know what's going to happen. I'll always be keeping you guys updated on Instagram. There might be another Jersey giveaway soon. Um, breaking news all the time on both of those. So be sure to follow at Professional Sports Talk on Instagram. Be sure to follow my podcast on Spotify. All right. So let's go to my notes here. Let's jump straight into it. We're going to start, like I said, with the Chiefs versus the Chargers. First, I mean, just what a game. I mean, the fact that we get to watch Mahomes versus Herbert for many, many years to come is just so exciting for, as a football fan, just so exciting as a fan, of course. But if you're one of these, uh, in one of these fan bases, you have to be ecstatic with the future of their teams. I mean, seriously. If you just think about the Chiefs, young players and guys they've drafted, even in this last year, like literally just go one year back, you've got Creed Humphrey, who's looking like one of the best centers in football, not only just best rookie center, like straight up one of the best centers. And then Nick Bolton, um, both are popping big in this game. Nick Bolton was fucking everywhere, man. I mean, on a couple of fourth downs, this dude made the play, whether it was the tip off the for the INT off of a blitz coming like basically straight up the middle, huge play there. He also had a pass breakup against Jared Cook in coverage. So he's showing that versatility, showing that he can do a lot of things. He's just such a high motor guy who's running all over the field. I really liked him coming out of college and it's proven to be a very good second round pick for them. And then the Chargers also have plenty of, you know, young talent too around Herbert since they've drafted recently. As far as guys like obviously Rashawn Slater, it all starts there. Even even guys like Asante Samuel have been contributing a lot this year. My point is these teams have great GMs, great coaches, uh, Andy Reid and Brandon Staley. Really love those guys. Great talent. These teams are going to be very, very fun for a long time to come, uh, led by these amazing quarterbacks, Herbert and Mahomes. Getting more into the actual game itself, the Chargers ran the ball very, very well. Their offense, even with some key injuries, um, of course, and the one terrifying one to Darnold Parham, you got to have prayers up for him. That was just really scary to watch. Um, I don't really want to make comments on Joe Buck's comments about the injury because that was just pure stupidity. You don't say shit like that when someone's clearly, um, you know, not cold. That was not what it is. It was clearly a brain injury. Um, I hope he's doing well. That was just very, very scary stuff. Either way, um, back to the point. The Chargers ran the ball very effectively. I really liked what I saw from them without uh, relying too heavily on Austin Eckler because obviously he was a little beat up coming into this game. He had an ankle injury. And again, he's one of those smaller backs. He's used in a lot of different ways. I don't want him to get too much work, especially between the tackles because that's where you really do get injured. Um, And Herbert played really, really well too. Uh, their offense looked, honestly, 
outside of their perimeter weapons, I thought Herbert played a better game than Mahomes. Mahomes, his stats were largely carried. I believe he had 410 yards in total. Those were pretty much all from yards after the catch. I mean, Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill just had some absolutely unreal games. Um, and they just looked really, really dominant. Um, of course, the story about this game is the those fourth downs, should the charge have gone for all those fourth downs? Honestly, I love the message. I don't love the execution. Um, but that's kind of a different thing there. Uh, maybe I've been watching the Bears too much, but still, I would take the points, but only on one of those. The rest of them, I have to say, I love the message. Got to agree with what they were thinking. I believe three of them were on fourth and goal. So I completely understand why you're doing that, especially playing the Chiefs division rival at home, trying to get your team loaded with confidence. We've seen that they can do it before. I mean, they converted a fourth and nine in Kansas City before. So again, I completely get it there. But there was one in particular that I didn't really agree with. It was when they were on the Kansas City 38, and it was a fourth and kind of a long two. That was when Nick Bolton made that pass breakup against Jared Cook. Other than that one, I actually, I, I really liked what they did. I really liked going for all those. Um, I remember in the moment when the game ended, I said to myself, like, wow, why did they go for so many fucking fourth downs? Like, I don't really know if I like that. But upon looking back on the film, I actually, yeah, I, compl- I love it. I, I completely understand why they did it. Uh, I like that Brandon Staley stood by it. I like the message he's trying to send to his guys. I like the confidence he's instilling over them. Um, again, just a great coach to, making good decisions. Um, and I, when I came out of it, I was like, Wow, these guys are really looking at the analytics too much. It's just sometimes you got to go with circumstances. But again, there was only one circumstance there that I didn't agree with. And I don't know, maybe next time he'll end up kicking the field goal. We'll see. Uh, Either way, like I said, Mahomes still isn't playing great. This is just a damn good football team. I mean, they got everything. Obviously, I've already talked about their coaching, their GMs extensively. But personnel-wise, their defense is turned an absolute corner. Their cornerbacks are really, really sticky in coverage. Uh, Chris Jones is really the motor that gets that defense going. Nick Bolton obviously looks outstanding. I need a sneeze in a second here, and I can just feel it coming. Well, well, you'll hear it. Here it is. Whew. All right. <laughs> and then um, as far as that that fourth quarter uh, – or sorry, overtime play by Travis Kelsey – Man, that was just such awful tackling, tackling by the Chargers. There was the thing is, it wasn't even like awful tackling because no one even got a hand on him. It was just they were taking such bad angles, and he never should have had that opportunity to run that to the house. Anyways, Travis Kelsey's not particularly fast either. It's just he played the angles right, he manipulated his body the right way, and the Chargers just couldn't capitalize on it. And that's a play that they're going to look back in the film room, be extremely frustrated with themselves because that should not have happened the way it happened. I mean, guys, it looked like Madden. It looked like Madden when you user your guy too early and you just spam X and they kind of dive forward and then you're like, shit, I didn't know he was going to like switch that quickly. That's like exactly what it, what it looked like. Um, and it was really a really ugly play. Uh, but regardless, got to give the Chiefs credit. They deserve this win. It was a great game. Both these teams are going to have a long, very intense rivalry for a long time to come. It's going to be extremely fun to watch these teams. And who knows, maybe they even meet again in the playoffs. But sticking with the Chiefs for a second, everything's coming together for them right at the right time. I mean, if I had to pick a team out of the AFC to make the Super Bowl with the Patriots losing last week, 
honestly, I, th- I think it'd have to be the Chiefs, just with how they're playing, how good their defense looks. Um, their run game is honestly benefiting from their pass game being so deadly and their ability to stretch out the field with all that speed they have. So you got to play every single part of the field when you're playing the Chiefs. Even if Mahomes doesn't have all that swagger back, he's not playing his best football. Teams know that they can just absolutely score in one play, just Mahomes down the middle, over the top, whatever it may be. Um, getting your perimeter or getting your perimeter weapons on the outside and speed and just letting them outrun everybody. So again, this is a very dangerous football team. We've seen them do it before. We've seen them be in the biggest moments. We've seen them live up to those biggest moments. We've seen them be down in those biggest games and still win. So again, you can never count this team out. I was an idiot. (laughs) They were three and four earlier this year and that was week seven, obviously, and I I made my list of what teams I think would make the playoffs at the AFC, what teams I think would make the playoffs at the NFC. And I remember making that list, and I said the Chiefs weren't going to make it. And then immediately after I read my seven teams, I was like, holy shit, I don't have the Chiefs in here. Like, that is probably not – that. there's no way that's going to happen. Um, and sure enough, they're the one seed just a mere <laughs> seven weeks later and seven wins later. So that's absolutely insane. Good for them. Um not good for the Chargers fans. They're not happy right now. But hey, it was a great game. A lot, very entertaining. And let's move on to the next one because I'm already getting carried away with this one. We've got the Patriots versus the Colts. Fuck. I really thought the Patriots would pull this one out. I really, really did. Let's start with Carson Wentz. He did not play well at all. I would argue it's his worst game as a Colt. I mean, Belichick did Belichick things. He just continues to show why he's such a defensive mastermind and why he continues to confuse all these fucking young quarterbacks on a, you know, every time he plays them, he confused the hell out of them. Uh, but just like the Chiefs, the Colts, this is a damn good football team. They, they've got difference makers and playmakers everywhere. Jonathan Taylor continues to dominate with that amazing offensive line. The thing is about Jonathan Taylor, and I think it was uh, someone over at PFF made this. It might have been Mike Renner made a really good point. The difference in Jonathan Taylor and another running back is his O-line can basically create four to five yards from him. And then a good running back creates that into about eight or nine yards. Jonathan Taylor, with how explosive he is, how fast he can turn a corner on somebody. I mean, that 67-yard run to ice the game is a perfect example. Most running backs in the league, that's about an eight-yard run. He turned a corner on one, just one move, just whoop, one defensive back and uh, I forget, it might've been McCourty. I don't exactly remember. And Dante Hightower, Turned a corner on them, one move, one flip of the hips, gone. 67 yards to the crib, game's over. That's just the difference between him and other running backs right now. I think there's only about two other guys that could really make that run. Uh, And I'd probably say it'd be like, you know, Dalvin Cook and Derrick Henry. Um, Maybe Nick Chubb. But regardless, he's just on another level right now. The offense is so dependent on him. And this team, I mean... They're a playoff-built team. They may have the best linebacker duo in the league. DeForest Buckner looks absolutely unblockable at times. They've got a lot of contributors, maybe not necessarily like direct playmakers in the secondary, but a lot of contributors that just do their job very well. They're very sound on that side of the ball. And again, on offense, we know what they are. They physically run you over. Their identity is running the football. And that stays in January. I know you guys have probably already heard this, but again, this is a team you just don't want to meet in the playoffs. And... Again, I think both of these teams are teams you really don't want to meet in the playoffs. You don't want to meet Frank Reich and how well this team is coached up. And by the way, Frank Reich needs a lot of credit here. He needs I, – I, I'd never hear his name in the Coach of the Year conversation. He absolutely deserves it because – 
they were one and four. They were completely forgotten about. They were completely, you know, I don't, I can't remember the last time a team started one and four and got this hot and is seriously like, in my opinion, they're a serious Super Bowl contender. Like they could contend for a, a chip this year. And he absolutely deserves to be in that conversation, in my opinion. So moving on to the Patriots in this game, um, for, well, first off, actually, we could see your, these teams rematch in Foxborough, and I'm so here for it. Like I said, this, <laughs> these are teams you don't want to meet in the playoffs. You don't want to meet Frank Reich, this running offense, and this defense right now in January. And you know what else you don't want to meet? You do not want to meet Bill Belichick in Foxborough with how physical they're playing, with how mistake-free they're playing. And yeah, I mean, moving on to the Patriots side of the ball, like I was saying, Mac Jones obviously didn't play a great game, had a couple of interceptions in this one. But beyond that, I mean, one of those picks was just an amazing play by uh, Bobby Okuriki. Okurike. I don't. People say his name so many different ways. I don't know how to say it, and I know I'm butchering it. But I've always called him Bobby Oriki. I don't think that's right now because I've heard like oh, oh, I don't fucking know. I, whatever. You guys get the fucking point. He made an incredible play. Uh, Mac Jones probably shouldn't have forced that ball in there in the first place. But I mean, I think most linebackers don't pick that off. It was just a fingertip grab. And he's been quietly having a really, really good year. We obviously know Darius Leonard gets most of the attention there, as he should. He's a fucking stud. But Oriki, Okirike, whatever his name is, is a huge contributor. Um, and his stats are really, really good. So you should go look them up uh, if you don't know who he is. He's balling out this year and give him his credit. I wish Pro Bowl votes weren't done because then I would just say send him to the Pro Bowl. But they're done. Um, but yeah, I think the Patriots are going to be fine. I think they'll bounce back big here. I think this game is a lot more telling to the Colts and how good the Colts really are, how they can contend with basically anybody in the AFC. And, I mean, the Patriots can too. The Patriots are going to be fine. They just got kind of jumped off the gun at this one um, between that early touchdown to Naheem Hines and then the blocked punt. Just going down immediately 14-0. It's hard to win a game that way, especially with the way the Patriots are built. That's kind of one of their only weaknesses. Um, I've been saying it for a few weeks now. Because if they get down early, they don't really have that explosive element of their offense. You can't really rely on your running game, you know, just breaking one off for 67 yards like consistently. You can kind of rely a little bit more on an over-the-top passing game, but they don't really have that. Uh, it is partially due to Mac Jones and his play style. It's also partially due to what Belichick is asking Mac Jones to do. He's not asking him to take many shots downfield. And then it's also just mostly due to their or I wouldn't say mostly, but partially due to their personnel, wide receivers. We've seen Nelson Aguilar can be that deep threat, but you know he's not elite at it or anything like that. So again, if they get behind in a game like this, they're not really built to come back unless their defense is. You know what I'm trying to say is they have to play completely flawlessly, and it's very hard to play flawlessly in this league. <laughs> so yeah, just a very impressive win by the Colts. Not worried about the Pates. They should Pates Pat Pat Patriots. They should be fine. And moving on to the next game, we've got the Titans versus the Steelers. So there are some really crucial stats I want to talk about before I really get into the details of this game because they're really intriguing and they don't tell the narrative of the story at all. And that's like one of those things where, you know, stats don't always tell the truth. First off, the Titans nearly doubled the time of possession. They almost had 40 minutes of time of possession compared to the Steelers 20. Uh, they had more than double the Steelers yardage, I believe it was, or no. They didn't, but almost double, almost double. 168 compared to 318. 
and total yardage there. They had 201 rushing yards compared to just 35 rushing yards by the Steelers. So, you know, very, very different numbers there. And the difference lies entirely in the defense and entirely in the turnovers. The Titan turned the ball over four times, three from fumbles, one from an INT. So basically what I'm saying is the Titans, they have to be frustrated in this one because yes, Pittsburgh's defense did make some excellent plays between, you know, the Schobert interception and then Joe Hayden's tackle to ice the game. That was an amazing play, but they have to be really annoyed with themselves too. I mean, they put the ball on the ground three times. That's beating yourself. They, they have to clean that up. I don't care what stars are missing for them. It's I know they're missing who or AJ Brown and Derrick Henry going in this game. Julio Jones got was cleared to go in this game and then ended up going out with injury early. But no matter who you have on the field, if you have four turnovers, you're you're gonna lose the game anyways. Like you you just can't do that to yourself. Um, Mike Vrabel, I know how sound he is. I know he comes from that Patriots tree. I know how little details he really focuses on and turning over the ball is absolutely one of those details especially with the fumbling game so because you know Tannehill is going to throw some picks you're not really going to bench Tannehill but you can definitely bench your running back if they're consistently you know putting the ball on the ground so again I'm sure Vrabel is absolutely pissed after this game but to the same aspect i can't completely take away uh the credit that is due to the steelers i need to give mike tomlin some credit it is crazy how competitive the afc north is like actually nuts like crazy crazy like go look up the afc and go look up who's in the hunt it is insane they have got like fucking six teams in the hunt it's gnarly i mean if the browns win yesterday they would be the fourth seed and because they didn't, they're now the 12th seed. It's crazy how competitive the AFC is. But again, got to feel bad for the Titans because Julio got back this game and then he left. This team could be completely different with all their stars in the field. And I mean, Steelers defense just continues to find ways to win this football team games. Uh, Big Ben didn't even have a great game by any means. The Titans defense just honestly absolutely suffocated the Pittsburgh's offense. Um over and over and over again. TJ Watt just continues to look completely unblockable. Um, and I don't know what else there's to say there. I mean, the Steelers just, they have an identity. It's all on their defense and they're winning some games for them and they're still in playoff contention because of it. So got to give credit to them. Um, hopefully the Titans can get healthy because if they can, they can be a really deadly team. Problem is it might be, this is where I'm concerned with the Titans. I think it's too little too late. I think even if all those guys get back on the field, um, come playoff time, they're just, I think they're going to be so out of sync. They're so not unused to each other. Um, they haven't had many reps together that I think it's, I don't know. We'll see. I hope I'm wrong. Cause I think it'd be extremely fun to watch this team on full go, but I am very nervous about how they're going to, you know, bring it all together that quickly. And if they're going to have any major success, so we'll see only time will tell moving on to the next game. We've got the Cardinals versus the lions. Uh, what the what the fuck? I don't think anyone saw this coming. Uh, with this loss added to the Cardinals' record, the Rams have a very real chance of catching them in the NFC West. But moving to the you know the more dynamics of this game, Goff played a great game. He was twenty-one for twenty-six for two hundred sixteen yards, I believe. I believe that's the right number. I actually didn't write it down here, which I totally should have. Uh, but he had three touchdowns, no picks. This O-line looked really dominant at times in this game. I mean, Goff was throwing from clean pockets. And that's that's who Goff is. I mean, if he gets a clean pocket, 
he can make a lot of throws. He's seen that maybe he doesn't have, obviously, there's a reason why they traded for Stafford. He doesn't have that type of upside. He doesn't have as big of an arm. He can't do all the things um, under pressure as Stafford can do. But if you just get him upright, you get him a clean pocket. This dude can make a lot of plays. He's He can still be the future here in Detroit. I believe he will be the future here in Detroit. Um, I believe they're going to go get one of these pass rushers, whether it be a Thibodeau, whether it be a uh, Aiden Hutchinson, one of those guys, and they're going to bolster this roster around Goff and give him an opportunity, hand him the keys of the car, if you will, if you will. And I think he might have some success in this game or in this system on this team. And sticking with the O-line, they looked really dominant at times in the run game as well. I mean, they're providing massive holes. Uh, they were on a third string running back and they were making him look like a starter. Honestly, it was very efficient, looked very well balanced. Amon Ross St. Brown and Goff are starting to build a really nice connection there. And Lions fans have to be so excited about what they're seeing here. I mean, Dan Campbell has been, you know, a massive talking point during the season. Players love him. The media loves him. Um, and then of course they got their first win against the Vikings and now they beat arguably one of the best teams in the NFC. So you've got to be excited about the future here. Obviously no Lions fans expecting anything this year. They weren't really expecting anything this year going into this year. <laughs> I think if they were realistic of themselves, they would know that, you know, playoffs were kind of out of the picture. So just seeing stuff like this, seeing progress moving forward, um, seeing their young players just making plays is really what's most important to them. And they're showing up right now. Uh, Penny Sewell has been an absolute freaking lock at left tackle recently. Um, again, Amara St. Brown balling up um, a lot of their young running backs. Jared Goff playing well. So again, there's a lot to like here, a lot to look forward to, and Browns fans have to be excited. Again, don't want to get them too pumped up. Don't want to disappoint because they're very used to disappointment. But hey, you can have some fun every now and then. You, you guys are allowed to have fun as a Bears fan who, you know, has suffered so much and has seen so much shitty offense you can have some fun every now and then you can buy into it um you don't always have to say like oh well this is going to come to an end just enjoy the moment dude fucking lions beat the cards good for you guys fucking tell all your buddies who are cardinals fans how much their team sucks or whatever you know you know what i'm saying <laughs> i don't think the cardinals suck i'm just i'm, I'm just trying to say what shit fuck I, i'm gonna shut the fuck up um then of course Talking about the Lions defense, There's, they stepped up in really big ways, made some really big plays. The defensive line did a really good job containing Kyler Murray for the most part, keeping him in the pocket, not letting him do too much with the legs. Um, and also, he always tends to, you know, once he gets outside of that pocket is really where his big plays come from. So they really did a good job just keeping him in there. Even if the stats don't really show it, um, they did have a really good impact in this game. I think they only had like two sacks in total, but overall, their impact was a lot more than the stats suggest the corners played very very good coverage and honestly bought that pass rush some time on a few plays uh the cardinals on the other hand they're gonna miss d hop a lot i mean it's not just what he does in the, again it's not just what he does in the stat sheet it's not just all the catches he has it's not just all the yards he racks up it's not the touchdowns that you know they like to use him in the red zone a lot which of course is impactful in its own right but it's also how he influences everyone around us how he uh every defense has to respect him every defense has to mark out where number 10 is a lot of times they're double teaming him so again that's going to be extremely impactful i'm very curious to see the, what they're going to do going forward i'm not saying you know you have to panic in the desert or whatever 
But, I mean, maybe a, maybe a little bit of panic. You know what I'm saying? The Rams are right there at your doorstep. You're missing arguably your, your probably your best player, in my opinion, um, who impacts the game in many, many ways on offense for you guys. You guys are – it's one of those feelings where it's like maybe did they peak at the wrong time. I don't know. We'll see. We know how talented they are. Uh, we know – how much success they've had earlier this year. So I still think they can get that back. I haven't really checked the rest of their schedule. So again, I'm not really sure how that, um, how the, whoa, whoa, whoa. What am I trying to say? How the Rams would catch them, who the Rams need to play, who they need to play, what the specific odds of that are. Um, again, I'd have to look into their schedule more to make a decision on that one. And I, I'm not like long-term. I didn't really think this team was like a direct Super Bowl contender anyways. So I don't know. You can say what you want about this team. Um, but again, I'm more focused on the Lions here. I really like the positives out of this one. And the Lions fans have to be ecstatic with what they saw. All right. Bengals versus the Broncos. Uh, I, I don't really want to talk about this game. Let's just say two things. Bengals play calling still sucks. I seriously think Zach Taylor may be holding this team back. Um, I just hate... They run the ball way too fucking much. I don't get it. You spent all this investment on Joe Burrow, the weapons around him. Blah, 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 blah. Just have him throw it on first down every now and again. Like, and the run game was so inefficient this game. I think Joe Mixon had like 17 carries for like 59 yards or something like some terrible average. And they're just continuously going back to it, especially even on like second and long situations. I'm like, dude, just throw the ball a few times on first down, please. It's, it's, I don't know, whatever. And then about Teddy Bridgewater, that was absolutely brutal. Looked very similar to the scene going on with Darnold Parham. Uh, just got to pray for these guys. Um, keeping your thoughts. It's just it's so scary. Uh, no one wants to see that. Especially, I mean, I shouldn't even say especially. You don't want to see it against anybody. Teddy Bridgewater's already dealt with his fair of injuries. He's already had tons of, you know, very, very scary scenes like that. Um, so you got to feel for the guy. Uh, Drew Law came in, couldn't get it done. And... Teddy, get better soon. Really, again, really got to feel bad for him. Really, I keep saying really, 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 really. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. Okay. Packers at the Ravens is the next game we're going to talk about. I have one really big takeaway from this one. And honestly, just one storyline that I was really thinking about after this game. And I was so fucking impressed with the Ravens. I couldn't believe it. I mean, Green Bay, in my books, is the best team in the world right now. So for them to have a chance against Aaron Rodgers and and his world beaters to win it in one play, I can't argue with that call. I loved the call. I really, really did. I thought that anyone who was criticizing that call is, I completely hear your thought process there. I understand why, um, excuse me, why you might want to just go for the overtime play. But, you know, and you just hope that the coin flips your way and Aaron Rodgers doesn't go on offense. But again, what if Rodgers gets that call? It's Aaron Rodgers. You don't really want to see him in overtime. You don't really want him driving down the field. Uh, that just doesn't, I don't know. Maybe, again, this, maybe this is me being a Bears fan. Uh, but I've seen that story play out fucking so many times where, you know, in the crunch time, in the clutch, when you need a play from him, he always seems to do it. So again, maybe that's a Bears fan and me talking. But... I mean, we've seen Aaron Rodgers be spectacular on so many of these plays. If you can win the play, the game in one play, and they had a, it was a real shot. You know, it was that one play they would have won the game. Um, I would have taken it too. That's that's all I'm saying. And I've got to give a huge credit to Harbaugh and his coaching staff 
and Brent Hundley. I mean, Brent Hundley played incredible. Seriously, he could be. I seriously believe he could be a starter elsewhere. I actually, I mean, who knows? Who knows if it would work? Because I think so much of his and Lamar's success, even, is derived from this coaching staff and getting the most out of these talents. But you know. When they went down two scores, I truly thought it was over. I thought there was no way the Packers are just going to do. I thought the Packers are just going to do what they do. They're going to slowly constrict the Ravens. They're going to run the ball. They're going to out-physical them. And the absolutely decimated Ravens secondary held up just enough. Ravens defense as a whole were held up just enough. They gave a Ravens a chance for some opportunities to get back on the field, opportunities to get some points. The Ravens offense converted. And then before you know it, they were only down by a point, and they could have won it with that two points. So, again, I can't express how impressive this was to me. Um, obviously, it's the win that matters most in the playoff picture, in the AFC North standings, all that stuff. But this is one of those moral victories for me with how decimated the Ravens are, with how many injuries they have between, obviously, starts at quarterback. Lamar Jackson, one of the best quarterbacks in the league, wasn't playing this game. And then their secondary is just completely decimated against Aaron Rodgers, who's been on fire, you know, basically always on fire. Aaron Rodgers is one of the, one of the if not the best quarterback in the league, in my opinion. Um, so, again, just a lot of credit to Harbaugh. Very impressed with the performance they put out in this one. And considering all those victories you had to keep it this close with the best team in the league, you got to be happy with yourselves. You got to be happy that you had a shot to win the game. Obviously, can't be stoked he didn't win it after all. But, I mean, just to be in that position at all is very impressive to me. And I thought that that was just as impressive as winning the game, in my opinion. All right. Sorry about that, guys. Had to get my dog to be quiet. Let's just start from the top there at that <laughs> with that Saints-Bucks game. Of course, have to talk about this shutout. A lot of weapons get hurt in this one. Obviously, the main one is Chris Godwin, who's now out for the season Poor guy, you gotta feel so bad for him. In a contract year, he's gonna end up with a lot less money because of that injury. Absolutely brutal. Um, I guess the fortunate side of it in the Bucks' eyes, I guess, I mean, if there is any positives about it, is that he's, I guess he's more likely to come back next year. He's probably gonna take less money. And who knows if he's even gonna be ready right? by the time next year comes around. Um, this is a very, very late time of the year to get this injury especially the one this bad um but let's be honest even before all these injuries the bucks were getting shut out um the saints have brady's number they know how to frustrate him they match up very very well with the buccaneers it starts at the d line they were getting very consistent pressure cam jordan was looking like a fucking beast this game he hit that 100 sack mark in this game so congratulations to cam jordan a very elite club to be in there and it almost seemed like they got better as the game went on, this pass rush it is. Um, I think that's mostly due to the secondary, just locking up all of Tampa's second-string guys. And it ends there in their secondary. The corners are physical. They're sticky. They just, they're just they like that fly in, that, you, that flies around your ear, but you can't see it. it they're just so fucking annoying because they find a way to get under the skin of the Buccaneers seemingly every time. The tone was set immediately in this game. Brady's first pass was nearly a pick. In fact, I think it was ruled a pick on the field before being reversed. So hopefully the Bucs can get Evans, Lenny healthy, Evans and Lenny healthy before the playoffs, plus with Antonio Brown coming back. They should be all right. I, I'm more concerned about that Godwin injury than most are. 
Uh, I think most people are just writing off a little bit too much. He was their leader in receptions, yards. Obviously, he didn't have as many touchdowns as Mike, but he was kind of like that Julian Edelman guy. Um, he, Brady just relied on him very, very strongly out of the slot. They had a really, really tight connection. Um, AB coming back at this time is, you know, it's very good timing. Uh, it's very good. AB is coming back. I think his workload is going to be very extensive. I think we're going to see a lot of AB coming into the playoffs. Um, and I mean, overall, I just got to say, very impressed with the Saints uh, to do this and cause this type of damage to the Bucks. Completely shut them out at home. Extremely impressive. Um, can't say, you know, I'm I'm very surprised. I don't get me wrong. I, I did not see a shutout coming. Um, but I can't say I didn't think it'd be competitive. I just didn't see it, you know, coming down to this. This is absolutely nuts, especially with all these injuries that the Saints are dealing with uh, between their two tackles. And Taysom Hill, you know, he played just well enough. Uh, it was really their defense that really stole the show. Um, just completely dominant against the Buccaneers. They always seem to do this. Um, so got to give credit to them. And, you know, silencing all the, the world because this spread was at 11. And I could not believe that it was this far. So good for the Saints to cover that. Good for the Saints to just absolutely whoop the Bucks' ass. Um, not like I'm a Saints fan or anything, but not like I don't like the Bucks or anything like that either. It's just, you know, got to give credit where it's due. And... Before I end this podcast, I just want to quickly say something about the Bears versus the Vikings. This was an absolutely shit fest of a game. The Bears were moving the ball up and down the field, and then they got to the red zone and just completely fell apart. Um, yeah, get get rid of Nagy, dude. What the fuck is he still doing there? It's actually so it, – it blows my mind because the thing is you can start interviewing new coaches like this week if you get rid of him. So it's it, – just get on it, dude. Just fucking start talking. Start making phone calls. Get rid of Nagy. And then start calling offensive coordinators at different places. Get an offensive mind in there. Or even a fucking, even a defensive mind. Who fuck? Just get someone else in there. Let someone that can actually, you know, have fields develop and teach fields rather than ruin his development. Because that's truly, that's what I'm very, that's my biggest concern right now about this whole situation is that we're going to hold on to Matt Nagy way longer than we need to. And he's going to ruin the development of Justin Fields. And I don't know. I feel like I've already seen it once. Mitch Trubisky, you know, he was a great talent coming out of college. You can't say that. Sure. Some people may have been higher on Deshaun Watson. Patrick Mahomes, sure. He had some people that were really high on him too. I just says every fucking draft. There's always guys who different people like a little more and other people don't like as much. Lamar Jackson went 32nd overall. Whatever. My point is, a lot of people liked Mitch Trubisky. Mitch Trubisky still had a ton of talent coming out of college. And then he goes to Nagy and he has, first First off, Nagy's first year there. Sorry, I'm like getting frustrated. I'm like rubbing my head. Oh my God, it's like giving me a headache thinking about it. Nagy's first year there, he has the best year of his career. And then he just gets worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. And now Justin Fields is there. And Justin Fields is an incredible, incredible quarterback talent. Don't let it get ruined please by Matt Nagy please Bears do the right thing fire Nagy this week start talking to other guys who can develop your young quarterback get a new GM and just restart reboot Chicago is an amazing sports town we deserve better all right and that's gonna do it for this week <laughs> sorry for my little rant at the end there I'm just so fucking over the Bears we just we're so like ugh, we're so dysfunctional dysfunctional teams do dysfunctional things and by not firing matt Nagy, we are doing something very dysfunctional in my opinion all right guys that's gonna be all 
Thank you so much for listening to this episode. <laughs> Sorry about going on a little rant there. I hope you guys enjoyed it. If you did, be sure to give this account a follow. Uh, be sure to follow my Instagram at Professional Sports Talk. Share this with your friends and family. And thank you so much. Have a good one, guys. Peace out.